You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-hosts, Costa Levoyanis and Lambro Sirmos. We've got a special edition today. Champions League is back, people, already. It's amazing how quickly it comes back around. We've got our second qualifying round opponents, Nefchi Baku, first leg coming up this week. And for that occasion... We've brought in um, the closest thing we can find to an expert on Azeri football, and that's Patrick Kasky. Um, he's going to tell us a little bit about the team, what we can expect, and uh, what we should be worried about from Baku. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. We're very uh, excited to chat with you about our first Champions League tie. How's it going? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'll preface to the viewers that I'm far from an expert, but I'm probably the closest you'll get. Someone who speaks English who knows about the clubs I watch most. I watch highlights of most of the games, and with most of the NFG Carabao games, I watch them as well. So I can bring some information, but if you have any contentions, um, I'm free and fine with that. I'm not the authority on Azari football. Well, yeah, as, as we chatted about off-camera, there's not a whole lot of coverage in English um, about football in Azerbaijan. So we appreciate uh, having you to come on and chat with us because you sure as hell know a lot more than, uh, than we do. So uh, that certainly counts for something. Now, um, I'm sure maybe some of the viewers are interested. You know, I don't think you have any Azeri heritage, but um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this stuff. We know that you write about some of the Turkish league as well. Um, and I believe you're of Scottish origin. So, um, you know, you're into into that league as well. Yeah, so right now I'm in Scotland. I'm on my summer holidays. I usually am in Edinburgh, going to University of Edinburgh, but now I'm in the West Coast, close to Glasgow. But um, I lived in Azerbaijan uh, between 2015 and 20, uh, the pan. I graduated from high school there. And uh, I left in acrimonious circumstances, uh, jetted out on a COVID sort of emergency plane. So, but um, on the football stuff, um, I'd watch most of, I'd go live to the most of the Champions League games Carabag would play. So I've been lucky enough to see them play Roma, mm-hmm. Fiorentina and teams like that. Um, in general, I like football. So it's always good uh, for the countries I've lived in. I have a vested interest in the football. So if you'll see me maybe tweeting a bit about Russian football, Azeri football, Scottish um, and Turkish as well, though I didn't live there. It's a uh, country and uh, footballing system I really enjoy to watch. Very cool. And and I guess you mentioned Karabag and people might be familiar with Karabag because they're pretty much the Azeri team that's popped up in, in Champions League or Europa League the last few years. But this year it's Baku who are who are uh, in the Champions League qualifying round. So, um, how big of a deal is that? Like in terms of the rivalry there. So Nefci historically are the team in Azerbaijan. They were the one who played in the Soviet League. Um, some background on the club: they're the club of the oil workers. So in their logo, you see the nodding donkey, the oil pump, 
Uh, they have the most championships. Um, so obviously, follow the Soviet Union. The new league was set up, the Azeri League, and Nefci tied Karabakh. They both have nine now. So it's a fairly two two legged country in terms of the actual teams who win the championships. Outside of Karabakh and Nefci, the level drops a lot. So you might see in the Conference League, there's teams like Sumgai, but they are quite poor. Um, this is their first time in the UCL for eight years. Karabakh had uh, eight in a row going on, but it was stopped this season. Um, by Nefci, interestingly, on the last game, in the last game of the season, Karabakh played Nefci, winner takes the title, and Nefci won in the 90th minute. So it was pretty dramatic circumstances to cap off an all but weird season with no fans in the stadium, like most people have seen. But um, in terms of the club, football is sort of the biggest sport in Azerbaijan, but Azerbaijan isn't really a sporting country. If You might know Azerbaijan in terms of success for like wrestling or taekwondo. That's what they're good at. But um, football is the most popular, but they don't really get many fans in the ground. Um, if this was in a, a universe in which COVID didn't exist, um, they'd be playing at the Boxel, which is 15K, and they'd probably get around 10 or 12K fans. Um, worlds away from anything you'd see in the Olymp- Olympiaco Stadium. There'll be no coordinated pyro. You'll see two small ultras groups, but the fans should provide no bearing on the Olympiacos performance. They have dealt with much more in previous in terms of fan interaction. Can I ask the club? Is it owned by by oil and gas company, or what's the what's the background there? You said they had a they had a background like with the with the oil workers. Um, are they are they a rich club? Like, what's the what's their background there financially? Um, financially, I don't think there's anything special. I think much like in Russia, there's like Lokomotiv Moscow, which is a team of the train workers. I think it's more iconography and history. I don't. I still don't think there's any connections with Sokar, which is the main, the big Azeri oil company, which you'd have seen at UEFA events. They sponsor a lot. They're not incredibly rich. Azerbaijan, despite having lots of oil wealth, doesn't pump it into its football per se. I don't know who owns it. I know Karabag are owned by Azersun, which is just a big conglomerate in Azerbaijan. But I don't think Nefci has any owners of any notes and certainly doesn't have the financial backing of anywhere close to Olympiakos. Um, this summer, they have have two new transfers, both on... One is a free transfer from La Arv in League Two, and one was signed for, I think, half a million euros from Estoril in Portugal. So that's about the markets they shop in. It's like second division in the good countries, and then they'll maybe go and foray into countries like Poland, but countries outside the top 20 in the UEFA rankings. So definitely no financial muscle to compare with Olympiakos. Probably similarly well off to middle, middling Greek teams, probably. Not as well off as Ike or Panathinaikos, but better well off than like Apollon Smyrna and teams like that. Got it. And I have a question about the state. I, I know Baku has been a place where UEFA has been putting a ton of events. So it's not going to be played in that like main stadium that almost always seems empty when yeah. they play. It's not going to be played there. It's going to be played in a no, different stadium. So the Baku Olympic Stadium, I've been there to watch the Europa League final. It's, it's a terrible stadium, probably, because yeah. it's. It's a circle for because it was made for the European Games, which Baku hosted in 2015. So it's an athletic stadium. It's really bad. And that hosted Carabag's Champions League games, but there's they won't host it there because Nefci will probably pay more to rent that than they'll get in fan t- tickets. So they'll play at their own stadium, which is the Baxal Arena, which is in, in Baku. It's 15,000. It's quite cramped. Fans are close to the pitch, so it will get pretty loud, but it's nothing special, the fan atmosphere. It's a bit disappointing. You think maybe... The part of the world they're in, there are a lot of good ultras groups in Turkey, in Russia, in Serbia, and we're around that. And it's just, it's disappointing. 
Well, I guess I, I'm I'm sort of interested to getting into the the tactics here. Um, so Baku advanced past Dinamo Tbilisi, uh, a Georgian side, and you know we didn't watch the games. We followed the scorelines, but I was wondering, like, do you have you know any any comments on the game in terms of how they played against Tbilisi, or you know, do you think that it was a deserved result? Do you think they played well? So coming into the game, um, Neftu were favorites from all accounts. Um, everyone had backed them to win it. Didimo Tbilisi are in quite a lot of turmoil. But despite being the favorites, they played far from it. I think the XG overall scoreline put Dinamo winners at 4-2, but it was the opposite. Neftu won 4-2. They sat back. Um, they played 5-3-2 out of possession, and in possession they played 3-5-2. So they would just put a bank of eight in front of Dino Tbilisi, and they'd force them to break them down. And obviously, Dino Tbilisi don't really have the personnel to break down of eight players, regardless of how good they are actually defending. Olympiakos, players like Valbuena will pick open these um, Nefci openings. So they'll sit back and soak up a lot of pressure, especially against Olympiakos, and they'll let Olympiakos have most of the possession. It'll be a sort of... Um, you guys are going to have to break us down a fair. It'll be quite boring if Olympiakos don't break through early, but I would back Olympiakos to break through early because in their three, they play a right back who's 19, who's like 175 centimeters. He's really small. He's on loan from Turkish team Basakşehir. They play Imboji, who's really, really slow. He's really bad. He was at fault for the second Dinamo Tbilisi goal. Um, he tried to scissor kick, clear it but he missed it. And then Dino Tbilisi just went and tapped in. And then the left center back is quite good. But in terms of defensive pressure and trying to break it down, it won't be the quality of the defense that'll be a problem. It'll just be the men. It'll just have been beating the eight, which will be the problem. In terms of in possession, when they're on the attack, there's three really good players um, for FG who could and should be in better teams. Nami Galaskarov is there. So they play at 3-5-2, so the two up top. He's the right striker. He's more of a right winger, but he's been sort of pigeonholed for system. He's really good. He scored 18 goals in last year's league campaign. He scored twice against Dinamo Tbilisi. Both fantastic goals. First goal was a 35-meter chip. Second goal was a back-to-goal, bottom-right corner finish under pressure. And the two center mids... Um, Two of the three centimeters are very good. Mamadou Kane from Guinea. So he's from, he's played with Madi Kamara on the international um, level. And he's nowhere near as good as Madi Kamara, obviously. But he is good. He's the metronome. He's safe in possession, good at tackling, and really good stamina. And then there's the captain, Emin Mamadov, who's an all-round centimeter as well. He has a good strike on him and likes to shoot. He's good at penalties. He's scored um, a penalty against Dinamo Tbilisi. But besides that, it, there's no real standouts. Um, Nami Kalaskrov would be the one if you had to point out one player to watch. He, if Nefci score any goals, it'll be because of him. So it sounds to me that it's going to be like a cat and mouse game. They're going to be playing everybody behind the ball, waiting for us and then hitting us on the counter. Are they quite a fast team in transition or is that something probably we should be a little bit wary about? I mean, recently... Um, the, the, our team is coming out of, I mean, preseason. Obviously, haven't played any official games. In the friendly that we played last week, we looked a little bit slow in the first 20, 30 minutes. I would say vulnerable altogether um, and perhaps not too creative. And I think, Labra, you said off camera, if we start 4-3-3 conservative, it's going to be hard to break them down. But do you see, do you see Nefsi causing problems on the counter? 
If they were to, Yusuf Laval is the left wing back. He used to play for Cologne in Germany. He's Nigerian, 23-year-old. He's quite quick, but he is quite poor in possession. Like he'll get ahead of steam. He'll be he'll be running. He'll look good, and then he'll make a just he'll run out of possession. He'll lose the ball. He lost it quite often against Dinamo Tbilisi. But I think if Olympiacos play any semblance of themselves this should be maybe not a foregone conclusion because anything can happen it'll be really hot upwards of almost 40 celsius probably depending on the time if it's a night kickoff it'll be still early 30s but um i think olympiacos will really have to be off their game because nefci haven't started they've only played dinamo tbilisi those are the only two games they've played competitively the league hasn't started they had a mini preseason camp in slovenia and they played a few of the slovenian teams and spartak moscow but they are it's not like you're playing a Malmo or a Norwegian team who are halfway through their league. Um, they're equally sort of unprepared. And they've made those a few two signings between the Dinamo game and the Limpakos game. So if they play, you might see some rustiness of just um, embedding the new signings. But if anything, it'll be very disappointing if Limpiakos lose in Baku. That, that would be a, a nightmare. That's the only way to put it. But um, I really think that there won't be too many problems for Olympiacos. Yeah, so building off what Costa said, the fear is here, and this is a big fear I actually hold, is um, Pedro Martins goes out with his 4-3-3, which he started with in the last competitive friendly, and we see Andreas Pujalakis and Jan Envia in the same team against the team that plays eight people behind the ball. I just don't know. Maybe this is a question for Peter, maybe for Costa going off. Uh, this may be a podcast tangent, but like who is going to create Lazar Angelovic? Matthew Valbuena had personal problems. I read he will be available, but he hasn't practiced in 10 days. Who the hell is going to create anything for Olympiacos? And will anyone really need to against this side? Maybe Lazar can do it. I don't know. Guys, I, I mean, honestly, I think um, when we play 4-3-3 against teams like this, Mari Kamara basically just turns into a number 10. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him popping up with a good game. Um, you know, obviously it's not his natural position to be that far forward on the pitch, but, uh, you know, he's very creative and dynamic and can do big things sometimes in those uh, positions. We saw he, you know, had the goal in the friendly against Adis, uh, last week. So I think I could see him having a big role. Um, I kind of expect that we will go four, three, three, unless we go four, four, two, um, 442 might actually make some sense here. Um, you know, I could see Hassan popping up with something on a set piece. We'll probably have a lot of the ball and probably get a lot of set pieces. So maybe this is a good game for Hassan to be in the box. Um, and then we can play Jan and Madi as as a two-man pivot in midfield. So that could potentially make some sense in terms of something other than a 4-3-3. But who knows? Maybe um, it starts off a bit slow in the first half and then Kunde comes on in the second half and things start picking up a little bit. It's it's hard to say. I, I'm, I think, you know, we can... We can play a 4-3-3 and probably still scrape out a 1-2-0 or two nil victory. Um, it'll be an ugly one and we'll be pissed off after the game. But, you know, I, I think we could probably still scrape it out just with the, the talent that we have on the pitch. Kosa, any thoughts about what you expect? I think a 4-4-2 is a brilliant idea with Alara B becoming the creator, essentially. What, what do you think? I think it's going to be hard for Mathieu Valbuena to come into the team after 10 days without training, like you said. Otherwise, yeah. I would see a 4-2-3-1. Uh, in terms of what I would like to see, I would like to see Pierre Kunde 
getting a getting a starting spot. He injects a lot of pace into the team and power. I think uh, I think we're going to need that. We're going to need somebody that sets a tempo in the midfield. I don't like Camara going too far forwards. Uh, he presses the ball really well, um, but I, I prefer him near near the circle in the middle. I think that's where he plays best. And yeah, I don't like the idea of seeing Jan and V and Andreas Buchalakis in the team. I think it would just be a little bit too slow. Maybe Buchalakis is sacrificed, but that's in my mind. I think for the manager, he's a he's obviously a key a key player. 4-4-2, I think, as Peter said, that could be a surprise tomorrow. Maybe a 4-4-2 with Hassan and El Arabi up front. Um, I don't know what, what's on what's on Martin's mind, but I'm I'm a little bit concerned that if we don't score in the first half an hour, it could be a drab kind of one-nil job at best. Uh, who knows? I, I forget, actually, that tomorrow we have fans coming back. It's the first time we have fans in the stadium. Let's see how how crowded it gets. They have an 80% capacity, no more than 25,000. I think I think if the fans get behind the team, that could be an important factor. That's something we missed big time last year in the European Games. So I, a, an early goal is crucial. If we get an early goal, then I think it's a 3-0 a game for me. With no disrespect to... To Nefci, but this is really a team that we should be beating from the first leg and going to uh, to Baku for a bit of sightseeing and then just doing the job. Yeah, so I I, I think now we could get into quick lineups and predictions. But I want to say, really excited for Jan and Via Socrates Oleg these guys to play a game in front of the crowd. I I hope that they really get up for it and they enjoy it because it's been a year and a half, guys. Like I can't believe it. Like it, it's. It's crazy. Like we last played Panatolikos in like February of twenty. We've forgotten. We've forgotten. I don't remember. Right. Like, yeah. I need to watch YouTube videos. Like it's like that. Anyway, Patrick. Um, I don't know if you want to go through all the personnel, but five three two is what you thought. Is that what we should be expecting? And some of these new signings, will they play? What What do you think? Will they be on the bench? I think Hugo Basto. So he's the centre back they signed from Estoril. He'll definitely be put in, just because. Marcellic, their right wing back, where they're playing at centre back. That's not sustainable. Maybe against Dinamo Tbilisi, a team who are relatively peckish up front and not of the quality Olympiacos have, it's fine, but they'll need to just throw in their experienced big guys. Um, in terms of Roman Basque from Laharf, he might play um, because just to solidify the three, because Kane and Mamodov are definitely going to play. They're undroppable. And then the other centre mid has been a bit of a throw up it's usually Sabir Bougrin who's this uh, I think he's I think he's Moroccan CDM used to play in France but I think there won't be any lineup surprises because I mean they're picking from a relatively small bunch they don't have the riches of having two fantastic players in each position that uh, most teams in the Champions League do have but I think if you watch the Dinamo Tbilisi game those will be the players who will play and that'll be the way they play but they'll just have to hope that they're somehow gonna be able to stop a team that has Yusuf El Arabi and Mari Kamara instead of the, the Georgian guys who play for Dinamo. So I, I think it should go well. As Costa was saying, I think it could easily be a 3-0. The gates will open if they score early, especially because there won't be that many fans and they're not that loud to back them up. And they don't really have um, a consistent experience at this sort of level. 
they've played a few Europa League games. Last year, they lost to Galatasaray in the Europa League 3-1. So I think we could see something like that. High scoring. Um, but it could also be very, very, very boring. Eight men in front of the ball. And if, if you if as you said, if you play Buchalakas and Mvia, who are both more holding midfielders, it could get boring and it could just be a game of chess. And Olympia yeah. Baku Nefci uh, will be happy going into the game in Piraeus with anything. If there's a chance for them, I know away goals aren't a thing anymore. They've been abolished. But if, if they still are in the game, if they only lose 1-0, if they drop, they'll take that as a win, most definitely. Yeah, I think personally, I, I think we see maybe 2-0 um, just because I know the team's going to be a bit sluggish. And I honestly do expect us to do a 4-3-3 with Buhalakis and Mvia, uh, at least for the first part of the game. So I kind of expect maybe a bit like the Omonia first leg where we, you know, we get one and then take a while and maybe get a late second goal that sort of gives us a little bit of breathing room for the second leg and then you know, maybe we go to Baku and get a one nil or a nil nil, but it doesn't really matter. That's kind of the way I see this going personally, as as far as my prediction. Uh, if we do get past Baku, our next opponent uh, is somewhat decided. We'll be facing the winner of Mura, a uh, Slovenian side, or um, I believe it's Ludogorets uh, from Bulgaria. So one of those two teams will be coming up against us, which I think we chatted about off camera is uh, not a bad draw um, for the third qualifying round. So. We'll be looking forward to that. And then in that last round, we might have a tougher uh, side if we get past the next round, maybe a Rangers, which is Patrick's home team in Scotland or, or uh, you know, a bigger team like that. But of course, that's a couple of weeks away. So maybe I should get ahead of myself. But uh, boys, anything else here? Otherwise, uh, Lambo, yeah. you got something? I, I just want to add, Patrick, we don't want to have you on again if it's a yeah, Scottish team. Okay, Rangers, I don't I don't want to I, I, I we don't want to have you on again. Sorry. We, we you've been a lovely guest, but really don't want to have you on again for Rangers. I hope but. I hope none of you guys are forced to go on Rangers podcast. I think that's probably the second worst draw. I think Salzburg is probably <laughs> the most difficult, but Olympiakos, especially because all going from Greece, the heat. Scotland's warm right now. We're having a heat wave, but you might laugh. It's a heat wave of like 25, 24 degrees. Whereas <laughs> Piraeus, might, you might get up to 35, 36. But I hope if we see Olympiakos this season, it'll be in the Champions League group stages or Europa League knockouts at some point. Maybe the Europa League final. That would be good. Yeah, that would be a be blast. Good. That would yeah. be an absolute blast. Hey, Amen. Patrick, thank you so much, yeah. man. Um, we really appreciate you coming on for a quick chat. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, especially if you made it this far. We hope you enjoyed uh, whether you're supporting Olympiacos or Baku, uh, everybody enjoy the games tomorrow and next week. Um, we'll be back with a podcast after the game to chat about the first leg. And uh, yeah, we'll be pushing out more content. We're excited for Champions League to be back, excited for fans in the stadium once again. So uh, everybody enjoy the game. Have a nice rest of your week and we will see you very soon. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Three losses, sir.
στο μυαλό κάτι μαγικό. 